The brutal year for tech workers continues. More layoffs this time at Microsoft's gaming unit. But what about startups? Will they face a mass extinction event this year? It's Thursday, January 25th. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa with Mark Gilbert. Hey, Mark. Hello. Good morning, Dee. The latest layoffs, Microsoft is cutting 1,900 workers in its gaming unit. Post-closing its acquisition of Activision Blizzard, we have got layoffs this week, D at eBay, Wayfair, thousands at European enterprise com- uh, software company, SAP, that we didn't really talk about. I mean, th- and that's just sort of piles on to... Exactly. Uh, all the layoffs that we've That's seen so far this, this year. This week, right? Yeah, that was this That's week this that week we've alone. seen this year at Google and Amazon. Right. Waves at Google, um, as we talked about. There was a cut at Amazon. I mean, there's a list. If you go to this like layoff website that tracks them all, it's just been so brutal. Duolingo, Rent the Runway, eBay, but even outside of tech, right? BlackRock, Citigroup. Um, it's just been a really rough start to 2024. So we've been kind of wondering, like, what does it mean for startups? Because those are the companies mostly that you hear about. But at startups, it kind of happens behind the scenes a little more. Um, And kind of got an answer talking to someone this morning who says it's even worse. Um, And and some of those cuts have come out into the public, like Brex recently cutting a fifth of its workforce. Discord cut 17%. Remember, too, that Brex has been, you know, such a darling of tech of Silicon Valley. So I sat down this morning with VC and founder Jack Abraham of Atomic. And, you know, he thinks, doesn't put this lightly, he thinks that 2024 is going to be the year of what he calls the mass extinction event for startups as cash dries up. Have a listen to what he said. If you look at the data at the end of last year, so December timeframe, two thirds of all of the startup companies had less than a year of runway left in the bank. That's really concerning. So during boom times, companies tend to raise debt. It's very easy to raise. Companies are now tapping into that debt. A lot of them are actually out of their equity capital. And all of a sudden, those debtors can come up and they can say, hey, we need to be paid back. And companies can get caught in a really tough spot. So this year, we're certainly going to see some sort of a mass extinction event as companies run out of capital. Um, Sometimes that will involve wind down. Sometimes that'll almost put companies on what venture capitalists like to refer to as a zombie path, a zombie company, which is slim it down, don't take sort of the press hit from it. I don't know what's worse, Mark, to be extinct or be a zombie. (laughs) But those are not good scenarios. Yeah, they're both not good words to to describe what he sees as the future of, uh, of startups in 2024. So, you know, we discussed who's most vulnerable here. um, And he said, Interest rate sensitive sectors, of course, is something we've talked about a lot, is that these valuations are so dependent. Your discounted cash flow is dependent on what interest rates are. And that's why a lot of this, you know, a lot of this came to fruition. It's harder to get funding when your profits are further out in the future and cash is more attractive right now. So interest rate sensitive sectors, he called out like fintech and prop tech um, that could be most at risk here. And of course, we had a discussion about the generative AI companies, which continues to be the exception, continues to raise money and hire as much as they want, especially as the public mega caps use their balance sheet to fund them. We'll talk about more of that in a moment. Right. You know, the, there's this point that Matt Levine who, uh, of Bloomberg, who, who's a columnist that you and I both both read, but that he makes, which is that, uh, you know, public equities are more responsive to daily uh, valuation changes, right? You know, Microsoft stock is sold, you know, every day on a stock exchange and you can, you know, things happen in the real world and they go up and down. 
there's another way, right, right, in which they're they're marking to market their employee base, which is that you know profitability be- becomes a focus. Boom! Immediately they start laying people off, uh, you know, and that that happens sort of very quickly. Startups they're a little more like hidden, right? And so they sort of uh, you know maybe didn't have that that layoff period one to two years ago, but as the cash runs out, it might be this delay where just like sometimes it takes a couple years for the valuation yeah. to get marked down, it might take a couple years for all of a sudden we see these layoffs in 2024. And that's that's very well known in the Valley that, pri- that private markets lag the public ones. So right. that was sort of his point is that we're, st- we're going to start to see sort of a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of companies go under because public market companies took their medicine because they had to, (laughs) because they operate in public. But there's also this idea that it's like kind of in everyone's interest to delay it. Because if you think about the allocators, right, and they're deciding where to put money, their portfolios being marked down on a daily basis, they're the the public part of their portfolio. What saves them in a way, especially for like crossover funds, is yeah. the private part. They don't need they to mark say, down the private. Yeah. It's, not going to mark it down and maybe we'll wait for the market to come back. Right. And that's why you don't see a lot of down rounds or that's why companies don't want to take down rounds and their investors don't want to take down I, rounds. Like I just love this idea, right? Because the the sort of meme is, or the the like conventional wisdom is that, is that startups are more agile, right? It's like, oh, why do I want to go work at the behemoth at, you know, at Google or, 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 uh, or Amazon, you know, when I could go work for an agile five person startup, but it's like, well, in some ways they're agile, but in some ways, you know, public focused companies, publicly traded companies need to be you know, need to be more agile. disciplined. More, yeah. More disciplined. And it's yeah. it's discipline. That's the word. And um, what was a chart that we really liked to show last year? We called it La La Land, right? And that was the idea that private companies oh don't God, take those valuation marks. Yeah. And it, it is funny. It is very ironic to think of. But then to be fair, you think about some of the biggest private companies like a Stripe, like an Instacart that do take their medicine, right? either to raise money or to manage like emotions and temperament among their workforce, right? That know their valuation has gone down, but their options haven't changed. And they realize that they're not sitting on as much money as they were before. They do take those um, valuation down rounds because they know that they can raise money because they're more mature businesses. But yes, and that's something that Jack Abraham said is that you're not going to see like the big names go bust. You're going to see it a layer down. And yes. I think that's that's right. The bigger, but more we, sophisticated it, private companies sort of, you know, they've done so many rounds of funding and they've done so many of them, you know, they've given so much stock to employees that though they're not publicly traded, they have a whole, whole sort of ecosystem of privately traded stock that they need to manage now. Uh, and it becomes, you know, it becomes effective, you know, they're not they're not publicly traded, but they do have like an, uh, 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 mm-hmm. you know, equity shareholder base that they need to think about. Well, another sort of angle of this too is to what lengths will some startups go to to avoid that down round? And this is something that some VCs like Jeff Richards of GGV has been really smart on saying, you know, don't take that debt funding round because you're going to pay for it later. And that may be just as unsustainable and bring things home to roost even quicker. But there's all these things you can do in the private markets to try and keep that valuation. And, you know, some, some smart people ask, you know, why we should take our take our licks and right. maybe investors and we'll be able to if raise we can't money just sort of hide future. out for a couple of years yeah 
but yeah. you know, I, and I think what Abraham was saying is that a lot of companies raise money. They were very smart to raise money in 2021, the boom times for tech. Yeah. And there was just so much money out there and everyone was just racing. You had like Tiger Global and SoftBank pouring billions and billions of dollars into the private markets. They're starting to run out of runway. And something I, I talked to a lot of folks here about is maybe a little bit of surprise that it's lasted so long, right? But yeah. What Jack says, what others say is that this is the year that it could come home to roost and you will see what he calls a mass extinction event. But he wasn't all negative. He was actually quite positive because he said that the mass layoffs we're seeing will eventually lead to more opportunity. He said all of a sudden you can hire and you can form super teams to build the next set of startups that are going to take us to the next boom. And he noted that so many Fortune 500 companies were started during discrete downturn periods of time and that. And this is important. Everyone says that, but this is important. He says the entire dynamic is around talent. And if you talk to the Ubers and the Airbnbs that came out of the last, um, what does he call it? Discrete <laughs> downturn periods, they would say the same. They would say that they had so much opportunity and they had to bootstrap it. <laughs> well, Uber, you can't ever say bootstrapped it, but you know, at least at the very, very beginnings, it was about talent. It was about taking advantage of this moment when tech had been beaten down. Totally. I mean, and I'm going to sort of make a large shift here, but speaking of super teams and AI talent, right, there's layoffs, there's companies cutting, the companies that are not doing layoffs, the companies that are hiring and raising money is any sort of generative AI startup. And even that's getting out of hand. I asked Jack if there was a bubble for me and he said, well, yeah, of course. And this is something we've talked about on Tech Check and done for our deep dive videos, the rapper AI companies that are just getting so much funding because they have... A generative AI proposition, but they don't necessarily own the technology. Um, well, and, but... and even and even even not even the 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 companies that are doing real uh, you know thoughtful work, it, it might be that they're sustainable business business models. But do they need to be a hundred billion dollar companies, yes. or does Nvidia just need to give them you know two billion dollars? And the only way for the math to work is for them to be get valued <laughs> to at be worth billion. more than yeah, yeah, $2 exactly, billion. exactly, because it's impossible it's... to give two billion dollars to a company that's only worth you know five. Right. And in a way that also helps justify, like, fair enough, it helps justify the valuation. But, you know, as we come up on this year and what many people are looking towards that I speak to, the commoditization of large language models, right. are there only going to be a few that exist? And what do you do with the rest? But so speaking wanna, of. The yeah, exactly. I want to sneak in this last point, which is that uh, today the FTC announced it is looking at these large deals. It's looking at these, uh, you know, these large AI investments and partnerships. And that's something that you talked to Jack Abraham of Atomic about. Let's listen to that soundbite and then we'll come back on the other side. I saw a stat, I, I think it was about $19 billion of that venture capital yeah. that went into the AI sector came from the big companies. And the amazing thing that you're seeing, and these companies have figured this out, and they're very, very smart. They have all this cash on their balance sheet. It's not accreting to their market cap. What do they do with it? If they can give it out to a company and it bounces back to them in yeah. revenue and profit in yeah, their most important amazing. segments, which are the cloud, and make those grow faster, that is the way to get your market cap up. And now Microsoft was the first to discover that and all the other companies are copying it. And it's very, very smart. They're basically bankrolling their cloud businesses. Is there something wrong with that though? Is there, should, the, should regulators be concerned about that? I don't know that they should. I mean, clearly it's powering a lot of innovation in the economy. We're, yeah. we're partially getting this. AI is very expensive to train. I mean, some of these new models are gonna take a billion dollars or more to be able to train. That's not capital that venture capitalists can fork over. Yeah. So. To get into this AI age, you actually might need some of these bigger companies pushing this along.
Mark, I want to make two quick points on the back of that. One is that Jack Abraham is so smart on these issues. He really right. summed up the whole like virtuous Issue. cycle and yeah. relationship so well. And I think he's going to be, I'm hoping he'll be like a tech check regular. Regular. He was very good on this and on interest rates and inflation. So someone to look out for. Um, and hopefully we'll hear more from. The second point is, you know what's so ironic? We've been digging into this topic for a while now. And our interest began when... I saw Lena Khan here in San Francisco and someone asked her if she would look into these deals. And I got the impression that she wasn't going to at all. And so we were like, let's look into it ourselves. And now it's not just her, it's the European regulators. These deals have res raised red flags. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but um, they're complicated. And I have always thought that the regulators <laughs> move very slowly. Case in point, no, they're moving pretty quickly. They're pretty nimble these days. Yeah. And I thought even just the the FTC announcement that they were looking at, you know, the specific companies that they were looking at, uh, OpenAI, Microsoft, uh, Amazon Alphabet, and Anthropic sort of does get at the core issues. You know, sometimes you see, uh, you know, sometimes you see like a, a congressional uh, hearing about an issue and you look at the sort of guest list and you're like, oh, wow, this is not at all the people who should be talking yeah. about this issue. It's clearly just sort of like the you know, whatever the, the, the top Google results of, of like yes. tech CEOs, whereas this was very focused and it does make you think like, wow, you know, it does seem like maybe they've, they've got a, they've got a, you know, an angle. Here. I'm, I'm very interested to see how this plays out and rolls out. And because these deals are like, we've said that they're bankrolling essentially their own cloud businesses, but is there anything legally wrong with it? I, I have no idea. Well, um, and, and, Go ahead. He, you know, he he said that it's uh, that it's going to be you know sort of like a like a mess. Um, you know, I, I've seen uh, Bill Gurley, another VC, talk about this on uh, on social media. Talk about how like how does this unwind? And I think that's a really interesting question, right? If you're if I'm, I'm trying to sort of like think about it out loud, but if you're Nvidia, right, and you've put uh, two billion dollars into this startup, and then they're coming back and spending a bulk of that money with you, do you? Like, do you really mind if they go under in the end or, or maybe the, you know, do you mind if they have a down round? No. Right. Because the point is not to ever make a return on your investment. It's to get the clients, you know what I mean? Right. It's like to get the, it's to get the, develop the clients. Yeah. The relationships. The compute power and be seen on Wall Street as having access to the best large language model. And we talked about that in our deep dive, mega caps, mega deals, is that like their benefit is twofold. They get revenue coming in the door, right? Like a Microsoft gets Azure right. revenue from OpenAI. And then they also get an option on OpenAI itself. That's, if it goes yes. on to be valued at higher, if it grows on to be the next trillion dollar company, great Microsoft, well, to a certain point, right? Because profitability is right. capped at some yes. point. But that weird structure. the OpenAI yeah. Microsoft is the interesting example, right? Because every client that OpenAI signs, every customer that OpenAI signs becomes a Microsoft customer. And so does Microsoft really care about its investment paying off? Obviously, if it becomes the next trillion dollar company, it will. <laughs> but, um, you know, or does it just want those customers? Well, here's a relevant question for the regulators. Do smaller startups care? Sure, if you're competing directly with OpenAI, you care that Microsoft is picking the winners and choosers. But if you're a generative AI startup that needs to lean on a very good large language model, you're like, thank you, Microsoft, for having billions and billions of dollars being able to put in to develop these large language models. Now we can use them. And I mean, so that's what I've heard from startups and founders that I've spoken to is they're like, we don't really 
care if they're picking the next winners and choosers because that helps us build our businesses on top of them. And venture capitalists, like Jack Abraham said, does not have the kind of capital or the compute power necessary to develop this technology. So, you know, they, they are okay with it. Well, actually the venture capitalists may not be because they may not see the upside, but the startups themselves, the ecosystem that they support will benefit. And maybe some of the other companies that they will have the chance to invest in that don't need billions of dollars in compute power. But anyways, I, I you know, we did this topic, topic early on. Yeah. We'll do it again. So uh, next tomorrow though, we've got something special. Our weekly will drop and it's all about headsets. Two in particular. Yes. Can you guess which ones? <laughs> I mean, this is unfair. I worked on it, but yeah, it's the, well, it's the mean, headset wars. It's the headset. We're going to look at HoloLens and the Ray-Ban. <laughs> Google Glass and Google Glass. <laughs> Google Glass. No, we're looking yeah. obviously at the Vision Pro and Meta, Meta's Oculus. And this isn't like a product review. We really go into their strategies, which is something that we do with these deeply week, weekly deep dives. Um, we look into like how Apple could win, how Meta could win, how neither could win, how both. Um, so that'll be really good. Make sure you catch that and we'll put that on the pod tomorrow as well.